You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Pro Gold um, Armadillos. Oh, I was going to say armadillos because we have some of those in our yard again. And Pro Gold again. Um, tonight we have a few cool things to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the Pisca stage race. Uh, even though you can hear all of the details about that, if you look at the Mountain Bike Radio Just Riding Along site, or if you look at anyone on Twitter who's involved with Mountain Bike Radio, because that is all the rage right now. Um, also, well, we're going to start out by talking about Enduro with four O's. These baby <laughs> Dr. Pepper cans make me feel like Andre the Giant. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Did you steal those from an airplane? No, I bought these at Kroger. Oh, wow. Pick that back up like you're a giant. I'm going to take your picture. I assume they charge just as much as the regular size ones? Not really. Okay. And you can look at the price per ounce, and it's kind of down. It's a little bit skewed because they come in like eight or ten packs or something. Yeah, it's eight, pack. it's eight packs. So you... It, Matt likes the baby Dr. Pepper and Cokes. Just the right That's amount. It's 12 ounces, I think, or eight ounces, seven and a half ounces. It's like just the right amount to like wash down. Wet your whistle? Yeah. That sounds like something off of Craigslist ad. I want to get my whistle wetted. <laughs> Craigslist can do that for you. F for F seeking a whistle oh wetting. Oh my god. I'm just watching this Red Bull rampage. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that because I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm just trying to call watching you. Uh, whew, this is so insane. I'm just sorry. Every Every year... They get crazier somehow. They do. Like it just blows. But let's talk about let's let's stop talking about stuff that we'll never do, (laughs) and talk about in the enduro race. Um, So Kenny and I, before Matt and I left out on our big adventure to North Carolina, um, Kenny and I both did the Iron Mountain Enduro, which is Arkansas's inaugural inaugural inaugural. Enduro race, and it was awesome. Um, Kenny did really well. Yeah. So I, did, I did pretty good. I guess we'll just, like, real quickly touch on Enduro. I mean, everybody talks about it all the time, and the big thing that bothers me is when people make products that are specifically made for a particular type of made-up mountain biking. But um, anyway, that's really neither here nor there. Enduro, just for everybody's like on the same page, at least how this event worked. I don't know how all the events work out there. This is the only one I've been to. And I've always heard the term Enduro. I didn't know exactly how it operated. I knew it was kind of that all-mountain aspect of mountain biking, so a little bigger than cross-country, a little bit smaller than downhill. I knew there was like some pedaling involved, kind of unlike, unlike downhill. Um, but anyway, it's basically... Somewhere around per day, they do, what, three to five stages, I think, is generally what... I think the rule is you have to have at least... At least three, right? I thought it was at least two. Maybe it is three. And I think some of them, like, you're allowed to maybe repeat them in some fashion. Regardless, they have stages. And the stages are somewhere around ten minutes long, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. Um, They're generally descending terrain. Not always descending, but generally generally descending. Generally descending. So... If you start at 1,000 feet of elevation, you might end at 500 feet of elevation, but you might have 200 feet of climbing in the course, which may not be super easy. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. 
that enduro is not just point your bike downhill and rip. You actually have to like climb a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and that can really separate people. It definitely uh, can. And there's also sometimes there's just some flats that if you want to go really fast on, you got to pedal. Um, so that's generally what it is. You know, there's usually there's some kind of small rock gardens. There, you know, there's some berms. There's some drops. It's just that kind of all mountain riding. You should generally be able to make it down on a cross country bike if you had to. You may not be super fast, but there's not a lot of some of that real dangerous like downhill stuff that's like sketchy. like a mandatory ten foot drop. No, there's generally not that kind of stuff. So I'm sure different enduros are a little bit different, but the, I think the general accepted. Um, practice for enduro these days is have a course that's going to be doable by maybe you can't ride the whole thing but you can at least hop off real quick you know run your bike down something that's super sketchy or beyond your skill level or what have you uh, and then you can continue on your way so regardless that's generally the idea of enduro Um, a maximum if you look at the um, I just brought up the enduro world series rules their 2014 rule book Um, they say that the course should be generally descending with a maximum of 20% climbing and at least 80% descending. Yeah, so there you go. And that's that's generally what we had um, at the race. You know, some stages, some of those stages were probably, you know what, I'll bet you it was about 20%. Even the, the most climbing stage there, which was probably three. Yeah, stage three had um, a good little that spot. Had, I mean, it was probably only 20% of it, though. Yeah. So, anyway, that's... Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, you were descending a lot, and it was really fun descent, too. Yeah, so uh, I guess to delve into, like, my experience of it, and then I'll hand it off to Andrea to um, give her thoughts. I really didn't know what to expect, so I ride a Niner Jet 9, for those that don't know. So aluminum, 100 mil travel front and back. I've actually got 110 mil air spring right now in my front, so a little bit more but definitely not an all-mountain bike. I don't have a dropper seat post. It's really a cross-country rig that I kind of use for everything. I'm set up one by 10, nothing fancy. Uh, it's a 25-pound bike, and uh, that's what I brought. So I didn't bring, I always wear a full-face helmet anyway, so that was kind of a no-brainer for me. Uh, I didn't wear any additional pads or anything. And uh, I generally know Iron Mountain. I've ridden it a lot, and I've ridden most of these sections that they had for the Enduro. Uh, there was one new little tiny section that I hadn't ridden before, but it was no big deal. Uh, and yeah, that was pretty much the day. So it started off, and it was actually pretty funny. I mean, first things first, people brought some like really fancy equipment. I was pretty impressed, actually. Like they I did. Know, it I was everything, I... everything from like their hardtail cross country bike all the way yeah. up to your uh, stereotypical enduro rig. I mean, I thought so. We kind of make fun of these people, and you know, it's it's. They were making fun of themselves. No, no, like, no, no, we, no. I'm not we talking were, about It was the... kind of funny. We were waiting up at the... I don't know if you were around uh, where I was waiting for the first stage to start. Uh-huh. But the guys that were in the pro category, and I think one of them was like in the top three, was they were like, oh, so-and-so looks the most enduro. Like, they need to get his picture for enduro bag. Like, they were, they were making fun of No, how... everybody... And I'll, I'll touch on that. I really had a good time hanging out with everybody. But what I'm saying from the bike standpoint, I was just surprised seeing the equipment that I saw there like it was really rowdy I'd never I just wasn't expecting to see so many 2014 model fully decked out Santa Cruz carbon Bronsons with like matching matching decaled Envy wheels and stuff like I it think was that really up in, rowdy. Um, in northwest Arkansas it's a little bit more popular to have something like that I'm just impressed that the bikes not even the people had that big of a bike it's just that there were so many like 
they were a lot of bikes north of $5,000. Not that that's uncommon if you go to a cross-country race or anything, but, you know, I expect to go to a cross-country race and see, you know, five or ten guys on the brand-new S-Works Epic, you know, because that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. But, man, I, I was really shocked at, like, how much nice equipment was there. And that's, I mean, it's really neither here nor there. I just thought it was impressive that there was some really nice stuff. I've never seen so many RockShox pikes in my entire life. So, um, that was pretty cool. And I want a pipe. There were definitely a lot of people, like, you know, messing with their suspension and be like, yeah, I think it's pretty dialed, bro. And, you know, they were all playing with playing with settings and all that, and I was kind of chuckling. But, um, <laughs> so that was kind of the, the feel that I got on the start line. Everybody was really relaxed, and it was a really well-organized event. Everything was smooth and fastly run, and that was all good. And then, so you started kind of in this valley, and then you rode... You had to ride up a road uh, to get to the first stage. And it was not really, I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like a, a tame hill. It was a pretty steep road. But you had a huge amount of time to get there. Was it the start of the race? No, it was not in the same place as where the... Okay, okay. Yeah. So you were down, just since Matt's here, you parked down at the dam at the bottom where you can see the dam. Like you park all the way at the lowest point there where kind of those two trails come together where yellow meets green. We don't know the trail colors, Kenny. Okay. If it's not the race start, you can move on. Okay. Well, anyway, you park there in that little place. It was one of the fields that you rolled out into during the race. Yeah. But, I mean, you just... (laughs) Does not matter. Regardless, you started at a very low point. That's where the home base was. First stage was you climbed up maybe two or 300 feet on the road, and they gave you darn near 30 minutes to get there. I waited for five minutes and, like, got some stuff together and, like, put sunscreen on and, like kind of chilled out and let people thin out a little bit and I think it took maybe 10 minutes to get to the first stage possibly 15 so I had like 10 or 15 minutes to spare no problem and there were people like barely making the first one there oh were man people, there were the third one was the worst yeah there were already people like pushing uh, their bikes there people pushing their bikes up the road uh, which is entertaining but anyway uh, did the first stage and Went as hard as I could. I mean, I was full. I was full max. Could not get any more heart rate out without exploding. Um, total, you know, zone five heart rate the entire time, which is what I expected. I mean, it's a, it's basically like doing four separated cross country time trials back to back to back to back. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um, so that was good, and no crashes, nothing weird, and got done with the first stage, and kind of started chatting with people and. You know, kind of got an idea for what times people were running, and I was like, "Huh." I kind of thought that uh, <laughs> I kind of thought I was going to get like shellacked out there by these guys, but they were running some pretty. You didn't even get shellacked really by the the pro. Well, I mean, like the top couple. Yeah, were, the, those were, top they couple were of guys were super like twenty six minute total. Yeah. Um, time I think or something like that. But it turns out, like you know, we knew the course, and I think we kind of took the right bikes, and it turned out that on this particular course, you needed quite a bit of fitness. Um, for sure, especially by. stage one was, was, was more pedaling than than coasting. But yeah, basically got done with stage one and two, and then we looked at the results, and me and my buddy who I came down with were actually in first and second place uh, in the amateur category, which was pretty cool. And I think uh, um, I think Andrea, you pretty much probably had it in the bag at that point. Yeah, you know, I um, I mean, I I always well not always, but I I will sometimes do some e stalking of my competition prior to competition. And I did see um, 
I just kind of briefly looked around uh, when I saw who was entered. Entered. Her name is Tandy, and she's from Fayetteville. And I know there's some pretty, not maybe not gnarly, but like some some good downhill type stuff going on in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like some free ride, you know, like yeah, features got, and um, whatnot. They've uh, got Slaughter Pen out there in Eureka yeah. Springs, and they actually do some full blown downhill races out there. Don't yeah, they? yeah, they do, and. Um, She's from that area, and, you know, she had, there were pictures of her, like, in full-on downhill get-up, like, hauling ass and going off a drop and stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome, you know? And, you know, she, I mean, she was great and nice and everything, but I ended up, um, I did win each stage by about one minute. So I had, like, three minutes and 59 seconds, uh, margin over her by the end of the thing, um... So an enduro stage, like one minute is a lot. Like one minute is <laughs> no, it's not. One minute is a lot. What are you kidding? On an enduro stage, being up on somebody on one stage by a minute is like yeah, and the you know and the it's kind of a lot. <laughs> she did you know she did mention that they were very pedally stages, and they they were especially like stage one. They kind of got progressively less so, I think, as you went along. Um, Three definitely had a difficult spot, but I don't think that, except for maybe stage one, I don't think that any of them had a minute's worth, like, oh, your fitness is one minute better than this other person. So, you know, I mean, I think I, I won by both fitness and by some skill. I definitely, um, it was kind of funny, like the night before, or the afternoon before when I was doing the practice time. Um, I was talking to my friend Jonathan, I was like, man, I really, really want to do some kind of a skills clinic. I said, but they're expensive. And not that that's a fault of them, because whoever's teaching them, you know, that, that person, you know, their their time and their expertise is worth that much money. I just don't have that much money to do it. Um, and I said the, the same thing, like, the next day, after the race, they started doing a raffle. And they're giving away an entry to a skills clinic. And I was like, God, I really wish that I could do a skills clinic. He's like, and it's a $600 value. And I was like, God, I can't do that. And then he called my number, and I won. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing an enduro skills clinic of November the 8th and 9th at Iron Mountain. Yeah, that's really cool. With Dirt Smart MTB. Yeah, so that was, like, super. So not I, like, racked up over the weekend. Not only did I win... Uh, the women's race, I also won uh, a really cool entry into a, a clinic. So yeah, hopefully awesome. I, I so can go faster. Up, you ended up winning. Um, my uh, The buddy I went out with, Jacob, he beat me, ended up beating me by uh, 10 seconds or so um, overall. <laughs> That's was, crazy. That was fun. I mean, it's fun. I mean, the thing is, it's not a shock because we ride together all the time and we ride Iron Mountain all the time together. And like, you know, he was about 10 like seconds we, faster than you. Well, I didn't know that for sure because, you know, I mean, it's, it's he really hard to say. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He was like, hey, was, he was, was he like, a little faster on each stage? No, we, we flip flopped. Okay. Um, okay. So on the first stage, he was about 10 seconds faster. Um, on the second stage, uh, I was a few seconds faster. Um, so the second one was a little bit more descending one. 
And I actually, I stopped for a few seconds at the end because I didn't know which way to go. Yeah, me too. I did the same thing. Yeah, that was really, that was poorly marked. They but, didn't have the left trail marked, like, taped off. Yeah, I thought, because it, it looked very much like you could, I thought maybe you kept going up there a little ways. Yeah. And then maybe spit back out again. I was like, I didn't know, and that was. Yeah, like, I, I slowed down and I turned right. But then I, like, stopped and turned around to make sure I didn't miss that, like, the timer things were on the trees going down the other That's trail. That's what I thought, too. And I didn't see him. And then someone, I yell, like, which way? And someone's like, go right. So I went right and, like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So I lost yeah. a few seconds. It wasn't a big deal. But I think I ended up going a couple seconds faster than him regardless. I did. I told someone in the timing tent there that they should tape across that trail and she walked in that direction so I okay. don't know if they changed it well you were one of the last yeah three, I was one so of the last I don't last know three. how much it, it, it helped unfortunately but regardless no big deal on the third stage I was like five or six seconds faster and on the fourth stage he was eight seconds faster so in the end it ended up being he was about got to work on that hike a bike he was about ten up my hike a bike was slow whoa I don't know what that I was got a cat fight going on <laughs> that's awesome Stop! Boy, <laughs> um, so regardless, um, yeah, it was really fun to take uh, one and two from Memphis, and that was the amateur thing. I think if we would have done the pro, I think there were in total sixty something entrants in the in the under forty. I think yeah, were, all of the over forty guys, like they were. I noticed, like I compared my time to everyone else, and all of the over forty guys were slower than me. Yeah. I was like 3108 total. Okay, I was 29 some high 29 maybe? Yeah. I think I was only You were about I was maybe a minute faster. Yeah, total, you were about a minute faster like total. But uh yeah, it was a lot of fun. I actually really had a good time and it was it's a different it's a nice change up from the regular racing. I get a little bit even though I've done a ton of cross country racing. I don't want to say I get nervous, but I get a little stressed. Like it's it's a very stressful day for me. Like everything because from the time, even everything, like everything the dinner be, beforehand, the, like the dinner the night before, you want to eat the right thing. And then when you wake up in the morning, you have to make sure that you eat early enough and the right thing. And then, you know, before the start, you want to have a gel at exactly this time before the start and you need this much water. And yeah, I mean, there's just a lot more to think about. And this was... It's rough because for me, cross country is I'm 110% for two plus hours and yeah. like, that's really stressful and if you have the problem is it's very easy to get into your head if you have a tiny bit of a bad day and then all of a sudden like someone's kind of walking away from you and you're and you're looking at your heart rate and you're like oh my god my heart rate's insane but this guy's walking away from me and then you get you know you start to over examine things and all this and it's just i don't know for me it was cross-country little... racing gets a little bit stressful sometimes i yeah. still enjoy doing it but it was a nice break from that because it was you still, when you were on, you were full on. Definitely. But it's much nicer to be full on for 10 minutes than it is for two hours. And Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it, it definitely, and it was, it was just really relaxed. Like it's, it was, you it's could, so nice to just, you know, like you can blow yourself up on the one hill or the couple of small rises in the, you know, in the timed portion, you just like go all out. You don't have to worry about. If you have some fitness. Now, I know if you don't train at all or if you don't do a good bit of riding, you'll blow yourself up and then you're going to feel it in the next stage. But I think for anyone that has enough fitness to do, you know, mid-pack or better in a Cat 1 cross-country race, um, 
you have more than enough skill and fitness to do this type of event. Yeah, I really think that I was really shocked that more cross-country folks didn't show up for this because it was, honestly, it's right up their alley because you can, you can rail. If you're good yeah. at cross country, and if, again, Frank, if you're Frank Weber was guy, on just like an Orbea full suspension, it was wasn't the smallest one they make. It was yeah. like the 120. Like he called it their all day endurance bike. Um, he was riding that, and he was third in the pro category. Yeah, and he's just you know he's in the cross country in spandex and a cross country helmet. Yeah, you know. So I mean, yeah, don't be scared off from enduro because you think it's gnarlier than it actually is. You can do it. And again, I know every course is going to be different, but for the most part, you can show up on your cross-country rig and you can have a very good showing and have a lot of fun. So I think you should, if you're on the fence about it and there's one in your area, you should definitely give it a shot because it was a lot of fun. And again, it was nice and relaxing and there's something to be said about doing, you do, you do a, a stage as hard as you can Yeah. and then you get to kind of analyze it after with all your buddies. Like, yeah. hey, how'd you do? Oh, man. Did, did you I, go off the diving board? Did you bobble this section? You know, what'd you think about this? What time did you run? You know, and you can you can talk about all that stuff. And then you get to go do that three more times. And yeah. That, and, that's kind of fun. And definitely, you know, don't be intimidated or afraid if there's, like, one technical section of the course that you don't think you can handle. Um, they did put in, in stage four, they put in this ridiculous rock garden. And I say ridiculous because it was essentially flat, so you didn't have help of gravity to give you momentum and it was also a sharp left hand turn into it i mean to give you an idea like if i go to selamo if people are familiar with selamo i'm pretty comfortable if fitness is not an issue i'm pretty comfortable clearing most everything at selamo yeah but i saw this rock garden i was like oh no f that i'm not doing and i and i like the day before during practice i sat there and did phone video like i walked through it and i was like you know i might be able to clear the rock garden but at the end, there was like a maybe three and a half foot, like the height of your kitchen table drop to flat. But you had to idle up onto the rock and then like trials it off of the rock is the problem. Yeah. Well, the way that Jonathan figured it out and it seemed to work, I mean, he still wrecked at the end, but <laughs> he picked his way, like trials his way through the rock garden. And as soon as he was lined up with the rock, he just punched it. So he actually had some momentum because he's like, yeah, if you try to hammer your way through the rocks, then you're too gassed at the drop. What? Was that sounding like a Craigslist ad? No. Matt's watching a phone video. Matt's not Matt's not impressed with Enduro. I'm very impressed with Enduro, actually. Enduro, Matt did some Enduroing last week. Enduro does not um, impress Matt. Actually, but, I'm, I'm very impressed with Enduro, and I was very serious earlier when I said I want to pipe. Yeah. I can feel on the jet. I can fold that. Oh, that yeah. Reba, or that Sid 120. I oh, can, yeah. I can fold that under. Definitely. Like, you know, shorten the wheelbase on the bike. And, I, I mean, I didn't think people were necessarily crazy, but I just thought it didn't matter that a fork was flexy because it wouldn't matter for what I was doing. But this week, I definitely did fold my bike some like that. And, I mean, so every day I check my pivot bolts. Uh, I mean, every day. Like, it was like, wash the bike, check your pivot bolts. In two days, I had one loose. Uh, I mean, they're Loctite, and they're torqued to the, the Kenny torque spec, which is, you know, plus two. So, uh, it was the first time in my life I've ever ridden a bike where I felt that the bike was really, like, I kept thinking something was wrong, and I was realizing that I was actually riding the bike all the way. Like, I was using every single, 
Like, I bottomed the 120 all the way out a couple of times. I blew through the 100 in the rear a couple of times, like, geeing it out through corners and feeling the whole frame flex because, like, it was fully G'd one way and then immediately fully G'd the next way, like, bouncing through this rock garden. Um, like, doubling and tripling roots and rocks and shit up, going downhill, just, like, the type of thing where you stay off the brake and stay on the gas and just, like, point and shoot. And I mean, it was... It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a whole lot of fun. I've I've never. I mean, I think that's really the kind of riding that I'm good at. Is is like the type of stuff where you're sort of gas, you're sort of pedaling hard, you're sort of working, but like when you keep your front wheel out of the holes, you know, like those little like pre pull manual through bumps and stuff to keep your front end up, or the the knowing that you need to plow into this so you can like hammer over that like type stuff. I'm I'm really good. There was a there was a descent we did in the race the last day that I passed the women's enduro leader. She, for the record, she beat me four out of the five days on the course. I mean, like, ready, set, go. Did you pass Claire or Casey or both? Claire Claire ended up winning the overall enduro, but she and Casey were swapping off on the lead the whole whole week. Okay, okay. Well, Casey, the lady that had been winning the women's race every day, my plan was to follow her down Farlow, and I actually had the opportunity to pass her when she bobbled and took it, and, like, I had never seen that hill before, like, ever, and I just stayed out of the brakes and on the gas, and, like, it's, it's really fun, so, yeah, I think I would like enduro. I think I would be okay at it. Oh, um, yeah, you'd, you'd be great you'd at it. You'd be really good yeah. at it, because, I mean, to be good at enduro, you gotta have, you know, you definitely gotta have a little skill, and you just gotta be, you know, you gotta be confident and fast on the descents but you got to have some fitness to go with it yeah there were um, i think there were a lot of people that probably were pretty good bike handlers there and could jump stuff and didn't have any fear and could clear rock gardens and all that kind of stuff but the fact of the matter is hey this is a race from point a to point b and there's a lot of other stuff between a and b other than rock drops and rock gardens and all that kind of stuff like there's some you know yeah like when to go fast you gotta pedal and on that particular course even though it was mostly descending you could you had that twenty percent. There was almost not a single point on that course where I couldn't be standing up and pedaling. Like you could be hammering everywhere. If you had unlimited fitness, you could go so fast on that course. So I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I think it's a cool new. It really is a fun new thing. It's not you know it's fun to make fun of it because you know there's a lot of bros and this and that. But it's fun. I, I mean I like it. The thing I, I've enjoyed watching is. Seeing the coming together of cross-country weight reduction technology with downhill equipment. No, it's cool. Like, seeing the cross between those two is really, really cool. Because there are some hugely, hugely, hugely capable bikes that are well under 30 pounds, which is pretty darn cool. I mean, there are bikes that can... I mean, it's just pretty phenomenal to me that you can have a bike that you can pretty much race on flats and you can still do like a 10 foot drop on like that's that's pretty darn cool yeah it really has come a long way so there's a reason why people like pikes and dropper posts and stuff they kind of like they're pretty sweet they're fun <laughs> yeah lots and lots so that was enduro that's kind of our that was our weekend what two weekends ago yeah something like that it was a. Uh... Yeah, two cool. weeks ago. I plan on doing more. That was the first one this year for Arkansas. They're going to do maybe at least three. Three more next and year. 
He told me that he is aiming for. Now this is not, and don't mm. nobody quote me on this. Right. What? No, I mean I just want to say that the promoter is aiming for and is hoping, and you know, like hopes don't always come true. But he is aiming and hoping for a two thousand dollar payout to first place men and women. So. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but that is well, how, regardless, that's how going, serious this guy he's is. He's going and, for a big payout. And he is, I mean, he's, he's got his shit together. Was and big. Yeah. That was not bad. I don't know what the men got, but I got $500. I mean, I imagine they, I think they got the same. I could be wrong. I don't know. After the race, he actually, like, I talked to him and he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, next year we're going to have equal payouts. Like oh, he, okay. Well, maybe... Yeah, I mean, but I... I well, the I, fact that there were, I mean, two competitors and there was still a payout at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, according to his rules that he set beforehand, he said that he yeah, wasn't he left it. Yeah, he left it open to not do yeah. any payout. So I think so. it's pretty... No, that was really cool. And you know, he, he made the right move and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, he said he um, he actually empathizes with female athletes and their uh, struggle struggle for equality in in their sports. Um, so yeah, I was, I was impressed. Um, yeah, so keep an eye on, even if you don't live in Arkansas, if you are interested in enduro and you think you might want to give it a shot, um, you know, definitely keep an eye out for the Arkansas enduro series next year. Cool. Yeah. I know there will be another at Iron Mountain. He's also looking at one in Northwest Arkansas and he wants to do one at Silmo. That's going to be, I mean, there are some good... There are at least three good things, like downhills, he could do there. The Man, problem is people are not going to like the problem those is yeah, like the the guys. I mean, the there were dudes who were suffering really, really hard just on the short road climbs. I'm gonna. Lo- I'm, I'd love the connectors out there. That'd be awesome. But yeah. he also said, "Look, I went out of town, and one of the connectors was a three thousand foot climb." Yeah, I mean, so, and that's that's what at all the the big enduro races like. If you follow any of the stuff like the if you're going to go Crested big down, Butte Ultra or anything like that, you know, any of the big mountain stuff, they they have to climb. If you're doing you know, a big downhill, then you have to climb back up it. It's yeah, I mean, occasionally they'll do a shuttle or lift service if that's relevant, but um, yeah, I mean, most of the time they they climb whatever they're descending. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, um, we can move on from enduro. Um, let's see. Do you guys want to talk about, while we're talking about racing, we had that email question from, uh, Kenny, not full face Kenny. And Matt had a very good answer to it. So I will prime you with the question and let Matt answer. Um, Kenny Pettinod. I could be saying that wrong, but that's how I'm saying it. Yeah, KP, not full face Kenny, says, After a, a local race, the Deerfly Chase, I got talking with another rider about the cost of races and the enjoyment of them. For this local race, registration was $25. Afterwards, there was food, beer, a medal, prizes included with the registration, around 100 riders. We were comparing that to the Chiquamagan, <laughs> I think that's how you say it. Chiquamagan? Chiquamagan. Fat Tire Race, which is a more national, uh, regional race with about 3,100 riders. Um, the registration for that is somewhere near 75 
to $90. Afterwards, you're on your own for food and beverages. They are not included with registration. When I did the fat tire, I got a bottle and sticker. Yeah. You got a t-shirt, too. I saw that on their website when I was looking at information. Mm. Um, the local race is actually more fun, challenging, and a great time, whereas the Cheka Mega one has <laughs> Chex Mix has a lot of hype, but falls short on the great time. What are your thoughts on the differences on smaller races compared to larger ones? What am I missing? I understand that the winners and larger ones get better prizes, but as an overall fun time for all racers, the local race can't be beat. Well, you know, it depends on what you are looking to get out of your race. If you're looking for small race, like where you know most of the people and you can be like the local hero and have beers and socialize afterwards, then, you know, the $25 local race is probably your jam. Um, if you're looking for the stereotypical bucket list experience where you are in with a bunch of other people who are looking for that and you're, you know, just kind of herded out to this very famous course, um, you know, then the the other one's kind of your jam. You missed it. You still missed it. It's up there. That was a mosquito or a fly or something. That's some weird dog. I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, Matt actually had... Um, this guy's insane. Matt had some pretty good insights to that so you want to go over your high points to the email you sent back to him i can so what we'll do is we'll run through kp's question uh we're going to compare the deer fly with the chex mix um so deer fly had 25 people or 25 dollar entries 100 bucks sorry what was that that was there's drawers on this table my knee hit the bottom of it oh, okay so deer fly had 2500 dollars in total registration costs so, they had a $2,500 budget for putting on the race. Um, whereas, Chex Mix, they had 3,100 3, people at $75 a pop. And I'm going to just guesstimate that 10% of those people were... Um, comp entries. And everybody else, so 2,800 people paid 75 bucks a piece. They had $210,000 in entry fees. Um so the budgets are vastly different. Uh, the Deerfly race, most of that race was probably put on through what's called an in-kind donation. So uh, a local brewer was an in-kind sponsor, and they provided all the beer. That's how you were able to drink beer. The brewer didn't actually write a check. They donated, um, let's just say, you know, there's a hundred people. Uh, let's just say, you know, a thousand dollars worth of beer. That's ten bucks a beer a person, right? And they, they were able to come up with. $1,000 retail value worth of beer. And there was a catering company that said, I can comp you 50 people if you can buy the other 50 people. And the catering company came out and took care of, you know, 100 people's meals that way. Um, and these things kind of come together in different ways. Uh, different ways. Uh, the the Chequamagan is a, is a, or whatever, the, the check race is a, it's a bucket list. Um, you have what I would like to call the indie wheel effect. Uh, somebody does it. And they don't specifically complain about it because no one sings praise anymore. People just go on the internet and raise hell and complain and, and say this sucks. And if you don't say it sucks, then it is understood to be good. good. And if you did it, then I have to do it because we're Americans. And if you do something, then I have to do something. Like 
I need to drive over to Iron Mountain and jump off the diving board because Kenny jumped off the diving board. Like You got it. Um, and that's just the American way. But the real difference is I need to drive over to Iron Mountain and pay money to jump off the diving board. You know, because just doing it isn't quite the same as, like, paying money to do it. It's just a very American thing, I think. Um, but kind of moving on, uh, the, the Czech race, that race is sold. That race is done. They could charge $150, and that race would probably still have 2,500 people show up because of what it is. Your local race is not established. Those guys aren't doing it, and gals. They're not doing it for the, the money. They're not doing it to be profitable. They're doing it because they like bike racing. And what they're really trying to do is foster an environment, foster a community, foster some people together, bring some people together, and make an experience that has a positive impact on you so you have to bring your friends back. Not because they need you to. They want you to bring your friends back to have more fun because they want to see you have fun on your bike. They want to see you and your buddies really have a good time. Um, another difference between Deerfly and Check is uh, I could go to something like the... Uh, let's, let's think of a good example here. Uh... Uh, help me think of a, a race that I would probably do okay at, but it wouldn't really matter. I could go to Firecracker 50. I could probably race that race and finish well, but it wouldn't mean anything. Because there's really fast people that are there. And there's going to be so many people on course that I won't really know those people. And the race will just kind of happen. And I'll just be a dude and I'll get like 70th place, which would probably be respectable at Firecracker. But it would just be a thing, right? But I can go to something like Silmo, and when I'm racing Silmo, there's a real strong chance that I know a lot of the people that I'm racing around. I see my buddies, I rib on my buddies, or uh, Spa City Six Hour, that's a better example. That's an even more accessible race, a little more homegrown feeling still. It doesn't really get huge. So at Spa City, I'm like seeing people I know, and I'm kind of pushing them and giving them hell, or I'm like, oh, I know what that dude looks like when he's fading, and I can like attack him. And then I kind of get on the podium too. So for me, the Spa City race is a lot better experience than Firecracker, not because I get on the podium and it's like, woo, I'm stroking myself because I'm awesome. It's like I had a good time because I knew the people there. When I showed up and said, hey, to Fred, Fred Phillips being the uh, DLT event manager and race director for all the endurance stuff in Arkansas that we do, Fred knows who I am. He, he says, hey, how's it going? He might not remember my name, but he's... He looks at me like he recognizes me, and I run into all the dudes from, from Arkansas that I know. So, you know, there's a, a Philip Prater, the firefighter dude, you know, and I say, hey, what's up? And, you know, I run into all these people that I kind of know, and then it's like a, a more personal thing, you know, and, and like... I see Levi, and I'm like, oh, Levi, that's a different bike. What happened to your uh, lefty bike, your scalpel? And he's like, oh, well, I work for a specialized dealer now, and I was riding a Stumpy, but now I actually am on this Epic because I missed the full suspension. You know, like, I think those smaller races feel better because you're more connected. Like, when you're one of 3,100, it's like, man, when you're one of 100, you're 1%, and your influence on that race is a lot bigger, um, and... And I think that it matters more. And I think you feel better about it because you matter. I totally agree. I think it's kind of, I mean, everyone's going to be different. 
I think it's fun every once in a while to do a huge race just to see that bigger scope, you know, because, you know, bigger sponsors are going to be there, like, you know, maybe whoever. Specializes there, Niners there, Santa Cruz is there, whatever. You know, you got like vendors, and they're definitely in the middle races. And, and I'll talk about those once Kenny's done. And I think that's kind of cool every once in a while to do that and just see so much and see top pros and see just you know three thousand people on mountain bikes. Like sometimes that's just kind of cool to see. But I would never. That's hugely stressful and hugely expensive to do that all the time. I couldn't imagine doing multiple big races like that. You know, unless you were a pro and like you were basically being paid to be there, and you know it's for all intents and purposes free, or you're getting paid to do it. So, but just being a dude and just showing up to one of these things and getting you know 400th place, and that's somehow being respectable. Like I don't know, that's not that fun. I I just don't really see that. And I totally agree with Matt. I think the smaller races are a lot more fun. I think the challenge would be to go out of town to an unfamiliar place to a small race. And go compete in that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, well, because it's because it's new and it's small, and you meet new people, but you actually get to connect with those people that you meet. That was a little bit how Pisco was. Yeah, well, I mean, it was smaller than that and closer than that. I was going to say the uh, what was that race? Uh, race to the Canal. Yeah. Two years ago, I did that race. Three years ago, because I was. There's lots of people in Kentucky and Middle Tennessee and stuff that we just you know we've never been around and. Right, like there's dudes in wooden wave jerseys that I recognize. But they sure as hell don't recognize me because, like, if they saw me at Stank, they might recognize me as a familiar face at Stank from seeing me at, like, the 12 hours or something. But they don't recognize me at Race to the Canal. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, going out of town, some of the most fun I've ever had is showing up at a course that I've never in my life ridden before that's a small event and just hopping on the line and just going. Like, that's a lot of fun. Because to me, the stress actually goes down in that situation because it's just like, hey, I'm gonna. This is an adventure, and I'm gonna have fun. Um, you know, as opposed to doing a big bucket list thing that's expensive and lots of logistics involved, and you have to hit all the little check boxes and you know, be there on time and not all that kind of stuff. So, and I think Kenny has a, probably, a, I know Andrea does, but probably to a different degree, and I. Andrea just doesn't have to really race people, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> what? Really? What do you mean, really? What do you mean I don't have to race people? Well, when you show up and there's literally no one in your category... You that was have... the state championship. That's like a one of. I mean, I, I usually don't have as many people to race, but even if one other person shows up, I'm no, racing you someone. Did, you just stop. Andrea doesn't really have to race people. A large group of people. I mean, she might have, like, five people. That would be a big women's field. Agreed? Locally? Yeah, locally, yeah. Where Kenny and I, we have to race, like, all these dudes. And I think Kenny and I fall into this, like, some of the stress that we probably feel, or I know that I feel, and Kenny may agree, is I think I'm sort of expected to go a certain speed. And if someone has a phenomenal day and beats me, then their buddy's going to be like, well, what happened? Well, how do you think I feel if if everyone expects me to be the one that beats the other three women that show up and I have a bad day? I mean, I have expectations, too. Even if there aren't as many people. Really? You're just... Okay, fine. You know what I was going to say. Don't worry about it. What I'm getting at is the pressure from outside people and the, like... 
ridicule, maybe, or like ribbing if you don't do well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, for instance, if Brett, like, Brett beat you at Stank, and people are like, oh, how did Brett beat you? And it's like, well, it's very simple. <laughs> he went faster than I did. Like, what do you mean? How did he beat me? Like, do you not understand racing? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, sometimes, even if you have, like, I'm not saying you even had a bad day that day. Maybe Brett was just, like, the man of the day. But, like, if you have a bad day, you can't just have a bad day. You know what I mean? Do you ever have that feeling? No, I agree. And that's why I really, you know, I, I really want to try to do more of this in the future is go be kind of random. Go to some small race. And it might suck. It might be a crappy course. You know, it might be rained. You know, they don't upkeep it well. It might be that three people show up for my category or whatever. But I'd rather go do a really, really tiny race that you kind of don't know what you're getting into. You know, you, you know that it's not going to be a thousand people. But it could be, in total, there could be ten people. Or there could be a hundred people. You just don't really know. And I think that's a lot more fun to me. Um, plus just the, you know, it's the adventure part of it. So that's what I'm going to try to do a little bit more of in the future. If I do, because cross-country racing in general, I get a little bit, I've been getting a little bit burnt out on. I still like the endurance stuff, um, that 50, 60 mile type stuff. Um, but I think the cross-country distance. The, like the four to six hour range is fun. I love, yeah, four to six hour I have a lot of fun. Um, I can relax a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a little bit, a little bit better for me. I know one that you would probably like, and I was actually about to bring this race up. But even then, like what I'm saying is I might be more interested in doing some cross-country, shorter distance, higher intensity racing if I go out of town and go to some random little race, right? Because, yeah. hey, for all I know, I go there and every single one of their local guys is a complete hammer. And that happens, whatever. But, you know, at least it's kind of a, you don't know. Like, it, it's not very fun. When you go to semi-local races sometimes, even if they're smaller, and you get on the Cat 1 line, and I know every single person there, and I know that every single one of those people is stronger than me, like, that kind of sucks. Um, you know, I'm not trying to have a pity party. It's just sometimes that gets a little, well, also, that gets a little that, painful. I think that Penny and I are maybe in this, like, weird position. Where it's not a Craigslist ad. It's not a Craigslist ad. It's not a weird position from Craigslist. We're way too fast for Cat 2. But when you really sit down and look at it and think about it, we're probably not fast enough for Cat 1. Yeah, and it's it's that's what makes it tough. You know, and the, the fact of the matter is, I, you know, we belong in Cat 1. It's just that, you know, we're going to be slow. Um, or maybe there's not, and if there were a, if we had 35 people in our field, we would be like racing the other okay cat ones but when there's just good cat ones and like you then it's like deuces <laughs> yeah. see you guys later Yeah, I'm just gonna ride in circles back here pretty much yeah so. well, I mean, that's how I've been when I go to some of the bigger races the, like the 100 milers I was about to bring up um, I mean that's kind of been my experience I mean when you line up next to some of the national level pro women it's kind of like you guys have a good race. Yeah. See you after the finish. I'll finish when you guys are uh, having a beer. But at the same time, you never know because you know if you don't quit. But yeah, I mean, I always, well, I always race as hard. One as of them I. has a mechanical or has a bad day. Yeah. And, uh, and and I've definitely had some some bad day wins and hey, you know everything else, and it's still win. I mean, you. That's absolutely how winning it goes. is winning. Um, so. But I was going to say to Kenny, um, if you want to try out something in the middle. Um, a race that is a large name race um, that has a lot of people, not 3,100 people, but a lot of people, 
Um, but also a lot of community and socializing and a party and food and all of that stuff. Um, sort of an in-the-middle thing. And this is not in the middle as far as price goes. Um, the Mohican 100 in Ohio, as well as the Shenandoah 100 in Virginia. Um, both of those races are really... I mean, they're both $150 to enter. Which is, I mean, that seems ridiculous. Well, I'm not that interested in the 100-mile races, if they have the baby race. Like yeah, um, Mohican does have a 100K. Yeah. And see, it... That sounds um, a lot better. It has me. some great single track on it. Um, it. Both races start on the same course, and then the 100 turns off um, at a certain point, and the 50, or the whatever, the 100K turns back towards town. Uh, and they, you know, there's some awesome single track. Mohican and Shenandoah both are excellent races um they're both a little on the expensive side and i know when i say a little on the expensive side then a hundred dollars um some people are freaking out but that's pretty typical for that length of race it just that's what it is i mean that's if you're gonna do a hundred mile race it's gonna cost at least a hundred dollars um when i first started doing them which wasn't that long ago some of them were $100, and then the more expensive ones were getting close to 200 Now, 150 to 200 is kind of the norm. Um, you know, they have to have permits. They have to have insurance. They are providing you with, some of them at least, are providing you with beer and food and number plates and T-shirts. A lot and, of them have, like, EMS kind of services, yeah, too. Yeah. An um, ambulance and all that, and that's Super expensive. I mean, yeah, like at Vapor Trail, they had a backcountry search and rescue team on call and yeah, on and you, course. You better bet that's not cheap. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a bunch of expense when it comes to putting on any race bigger than just your little grassroots um, deer tick race. Is that what it was? Deer fly. Deer fly. Sorry, deer tick. Deer fly. Um, there's a pretty big expense for that. So I'm not going to get into the is it worth $100 or $150 thing, but um, both those, the Mohican 100 and the Shenandoah 100, um, especially like at Shenandoah, you have dinner the night before, you have beer the night before, you have dinner afterwards. I mean, Shenandoah is cool because, and Mohican's cool because most people are staying right there on site. Or very, very close, like, walking distance. And so people just, they sit around and they have beer out of the kegs. And, you know, I mean, there's always, like, one or two way too drunk people. But for the most part, everyone keeps it under control and has a great time. Um, so I would, if you're looking for an experience between the Chex Mix and the uh, Deerfly, then, yeah, one of those two... Uh, off the top of my head, just kind of thinking of like races I've been to with a good party, those are excellent to go to. Um, I can't. T oh yeah, I can look and see how long we've been on the air. Fifty minutes so far. Yep. Um. Anything else about that? No, I think we pretty much pretty much covered that. Yeah, be adventuresome. Do tiny little races. See what happens. Um, oh, I wanted to talk about a pro gold thing, or maybe two pro gold things. Okay. Um, I I have some of my favorite sandals, like these Solomon sandals that you can't even buy anymore unless you pay lots of money for them on eBay from Europe. Um, and they're all like 
rubbery, they get dirty, and I use the Pro Gold helmet cleaner to clean them. It worked really well. Like just spray it on, it foams up. Then I used a, a sponge and just kind of scrub them for a minute, rinsed them off, and they they look brand new now. Pretty awesome. Sweet. Uh, I'm not going to put bike shine on them, by the way. <laughs> uh, bike shine is. I haven't seen it in that many shops, but I I have some here that Bruce gave us, or gave me, and you know you guys can use it if you want to. Matt used it once. And didn't like it because I think he used it and went out and rode right away. Was that what you did? What? Don't give me that look. I very explicitly told you what I did. The morning of. <laughs> this is awesome. Move on. Okay. Well, if you use it the night before and let it dry overnight, it works very well. It makes your bike look like new. Um, but... So I guess what is it supposed to do? Is it make like a little hard candy shell over your over your bike or something? I don't know. It's a little bit like if you get it on your hands, it feels kind of weird and slippery. Um, I don't know. It's like floor wax or something. But I have like the first, when I first got some, I put it on and like went and rode right away, and dust got all over my bike and stayed there until um, I wiped it off. But the next time I put it on and let it sit overnight, and it um, I mean it was fine in my bike. Like, that dust actually kind of blew off and wiped off a little easier once I, you know, it wasn't more than normal. But I, I've definitely put it on um, kind of old, dingy-looking bikes, and it, it shines them up really nice, at least, you know, temporarily. So, uh, do you guys want to talk about cyclocross, or do you want to it'd be a short show? What do we want to talk about? What in particular oh. do we want to talk about as far as cyclocross goes? Well, you know, if you look at Mountain Bike Review, people ask a lot of very, very basic questions repeatedly. Well, um, yeah, that's just the nature of an internet forum, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people always want to know, okay, so this is what I think happens. Like, people want to try cyclocross, and they're like, I'm just going to buy a frame and make it single speed, because that's cheap. And so there's. If you wanted to do something cheap, you should go to bikesdirect.com and buy a bike. That would be doing something cheap. Right, right. But that's, you know, people don't always do the smartest things uh, and they want to build it themselves, which we can talk about a, a build it yourself thing in just a second, too. Um, the problem is people try to use Bobo tensioners, I think, for single speed. Especially something where in cycle, like cyclocross, where you're going to be getting it dirty and muddy. I think not all tensioners are created equal. Yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. People will get upset and all this kind of crap. For the most part, tensioners don't work for shit. Yeah, now, there's, they're not reliable. There's there's one out there, I'm sure, that's set up just right with just the right cog and just the right tension and all that kind of crap. That but, it might work okay. Yeah, I don't think there's a tensioner that 100% of the time yeah. is reliable. The vast majority of the time, in my experience, and I've tried 50 different kind of tensioners and all kinds of different setups, personally, with customers' bikes, all kinds of stuff, they all suck. There's some point where they don't work. You get like a tiny little stick that goes through there for a second and it like explodes. Or you need to take your wheel off to change a flat tire. That too. And yeah, like, yeah, you, you have to... Uh, if you do have to take your wheel off, you have to like take the entire assembly out of this thing to right. get your wheel off, or you got this or that. There's so many downsides to those darn things that if you just didn't buy one of those, 
and then you didn't buy a regular frame and you bought a single speed specific frame, you would be a thousand times happier. So that's my recommendation. I'm yeah, sure like I people... use a Surly cross check. Um, yeah. and it's it's great. And just buy something with a real tensioner. Um, if you're gonna do it, sliding I mean, drop you're outs. probably better off just using an old derailleur, honestly, than even messing with a stinking tensioner. So I have one that I really want to try. Just that, be, that bottom bracket mounted one. Yeah, it's the Yes EGRB BB chain tensioner, and that one mounts like an E-type derailleur would, and then pulls the tension at the uh, chain wheel rather than back at the cock. Because this is so I got into this discussion with a very interesting gentleman at Pisgah, <laughs> and he has an engineering background. He moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was Evan Plews and um, he's like I want to race this race single speed full suspension and I was like oh what tensioner would you use and he's like oh, I said would you use something like the Melvin he's like I'd probably build my own and I'm like go on <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like okay yeah. and then long story short I got to the point where I said, the problem with tensioners is they are pulling tension where force is being applied. So if you think that the same force that would open um, a specialized brain suspension, you know, that that at-the-wheel hammer force is going to be the force that causes your tensioner to lose tension, you know. Wouldn't you agree? Like those, like you slam into something and like your derailleur flops. But if you move that up by the, the center of the bike, you slam into something, it's not getting jackhammered right there at the wheel. And I'm just curious to see if that would work better. Does that only work with a threaded bottom bracket? It does. Okay. Yeah, I have to say that is one style that I have not tried. Yeah, that so would be I interesting. So what I found, what I'll share, and I, we've talked about this many, many months ago when well, I was trying to get my full suspension. Well, just one work. more thing about this yeah, while yeah. we're there. Because um, with cross, you need to be able to change your wheel. Yeah, you do. Or with mountain bike, really. You can't be standing there losing parts everywhere when you're trying to facilitate some, or not facilitate, but like, I, I, I like, you know, like you're having, a, you're already having a bad time because you have a flat. Yeah, nobody wants to be in a rush on the side of a trail in a race, messing with tiny little tensioner parts that are falling off of your bike, or that have to be removed from your bike. Yeah, and then reset up. Like it's just, it's stupid. So sorry, I just really wanted to drive that home because it's no, no, I, I totally agree. And so the problem that I personally had with my full suspension single speed setup was not really the tensioner so much. It was really the cog setup. And the problem for me was I could take up the slack of the chain and account for suspension growth and all that kind of good stuff. That was fine. The problem was the cogs that are single speed specific, when they're detensioned on one side and tensioned on the other side, and they're not, if, if it's not, basically if it's not pulled if all of your slack isn't pulled out of a single speed cog setup, it just skips over the teeth. So I don't know why that is, but they're pretty much all that way. I tried surly cogs, 
Niner cogs. But you were using cogs. a derailleur. I was using a, I was using a derailleur. Yes. Okay. And it worked very well for what it was doing. And I found out uh, down the line what I ended up doing is I got a geared cog, and I welded a thick base to it so it wouldn't tear up my hub, and that worked phenomenally well. So I'm. Yeah, I think you need a very specific cog for a full suspension bike. And it really is going to mimic what your geared cog is because you're not going to get, it's very difficult to get full chain wrap around uh, around that cog. So, and, and chain wrap, I don't even think was really the issue, which is really interesting. I thought it was, but it's just the profile of that cog. Our point is, if you want to build a single speed cyclocross bike, you need to get a frame that has some sort of an adjustable rear dropout, and so, don't try a tensioner. Full suspension world, for example, there's not really a solution, so I understand why people are trying mm-hmm. to do it. But there's no point in the cyclocross world that's a hardtail, and they make plenty of single-speed specific bikes that are ready to rock out of the box and do it correctly. Like, yeah, why, if, why not do it? Yeah, and if you use something like a cross-check that just has, uh, it has... A dropout that is forward-facing. Those are semi-horizontal Yes, yeah, semi-horizontal dropouts. And you have to have a really, really good skewer or a bolt-on something or other to keep the wheel from sliding. Um, they might make a tug nut type of thing now. That pulls backwards? Yeah. That, that I don't think they do. They, I remember reading on the Surly website that they were going to, but I don't know if it ever happened. Um, but I found that just using a Shimano XT skewer, nice and tight, uh, worked. One, I mean, it worked well enough that I raced it a couple of times last year and rode it a bunch and whatever, and it never slipped on me. So, you know, just a, a, some kind of a, a sliding dropout and a good skewer, and you can have a single speed cross bike. Um, we don't have to go through the other stuff if you want, but speaking of building bikes, Matt had found a funny story on Mountain Bike Review before we wrap up. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm really, t- I'm still on Eastern Time as a problem. Yeah, we don't, we can talk about this one or something like it next time if we want. I mean, we're at, we're at about an hour. Right yeah, now. we're an hour and one minute right now. Yeah. All right, well, we could wrap it up and we'll people, talk people about this. People are tired and getting cranky. Silly purchase later. Um, all right. Well, I didn't get to talk about the love tunnel at all tonight. <laughs> if you're ever bored, um, just go to your local Craigslist and look up uh, missed casual, con- casual encounters, casual encounters, and or missed connections. Yeah, missed connections or missed opportunities or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's just entertaining. Like yesterday, Matt and I went literally from Nashville to almost Memphis with him just reading those out loud and we were highly entertained and the time passed very quickly so uh, that's your tip of the night if you are on the road Uh, so we will uh, talk to you next week good night